0: I'm just going to take a couple of minutes this morning. And I know I've said that before. And there goes the giggle of disbelief. Um, But I feel God wants to bring us into a place of breakthrough this morning. That we are to encounter him. That we are to be hungry for him. That he wants to ignite within us worship. And so I am going to be short. Fortunately, Fortunately, the passage I'm preaching on... The point is the point, and it is so simple, yet profound and challenging. And so we're not going to get stuck in heavy theology. It's a passage which really comes back to our heart and challenges our heart and who we see God has said that we are. And so if you'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 5. If you weren't here last week, we have started a new series called As It Is in Heaven. We are going through what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's a collection of teaching that Jesus Gave. It's early on in Matthew's gospel. Matthew was one of Jesus' his disciples and he collected or collated a load of Jesus' teaching. And it's, and it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And in it, Jesus is describing what life in his kingdom looks like for those who are citizens of the kingdom. Those who are followers of him. And it's this, as we were saying last week, Jesus comes and he, he starts by basically saying, My kingdom has come and my kingdom is turning everything upside down. And everything up until now that the world thought has been important, everything that you thought looked like blessedness in life, the rich, the powerful, the good looking, the clever. He's saying, I'm coming and I'm saying that those things count for nothing now in my kingdom. And we saw, let me turn to it, Jesus pronounced a whole new way of looking at life. And he's saying, I want you to see that these people are indeed blessed. A different group of people entirely. And I'm just going to read it just to um, remind us of it. Jesus said, Matthew 5 verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed pronouncement or beatitude that Jesus says is this. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we saw last week that Jesus is coming and he's not saying these are things you have to do. He's describing in his kingdom the kinds of people who are blessed. And it's a totally, totally different group of people to those who we would say are blessed in the world. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to become like the rich and powerful. I don't want you to be, to think you need to be good looking to be blessed. I want you to understand that in my kingdom, I bless those who are humble and poor in spirit. Those who are broken, downtrodden. My kingdom is for those and you can be in those situations. You can be fleeing ISIS today and you can know that your life is blessed because that is what my kingdom is like. And those are the people who God loves to bless. Those are the people who are invited into the kingdom of God. Sure, the rich and the powerful are invited too. But to get in, they have to humble themselves and recognize that wealth and material goods and status and beauty counts for nothing. And so Jesus we said this is a completely upside down kingdom. And then we're about to move on to Jesus talks about salt and light. And then next week, we're going to see Jesus talks about himself being the fulfillment of the law. And then the weeks after that, we're going to look at Jesus says, now, now live like this. And if we're not careful, we can come to the Sermon on the Mount and think it's just this random collection of ideas and, and sayings and nice um, coffee cup verses and this, that and the other. That, Jesus has, that Matthew has collected together and there's no sense of um, continuation or no flow between them. But to read it like that would be a mistake. There really is a structure to it. So Jesus, in, in the Beatitudes, as we were reading, he kind of says, this is what my kingdom looks like. I'm proclaiming this is the value of God. This is what life in God's society, in God's kingdom looks like. He's describing it. He's saying it it, look, it is like this. And that's a huge challenge for us. And then he comes on to salt and light, which is what we're going to focus on Right now, so Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, he says this. You, you, not just a general, some of you, not just a, a one or two of you, but you, being you. Specifically, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness... And glorify your Father in heaven. Amazing. Challenging. There's a whole load of things in the Bible that Jesus said. That I think sometimes we would rather he hadn't said. Because they challenge us. He's declaring things that are true of us. Which shape us to our core. Which unsettle us. Which provoke us. And I think this is one of those statements. But often... But for the reason that I often think, we think it's challenging, but for the wrong reason. I think the reason that this bit of scripture is challenging to us, and rightly so, is because of the implications of it. It's, it's interesting. I just want you to see for a moment that these are not two disconnected sections of um, scripture that we read last week and that we're coming into now. Blessed are these kinds of people. And by the way, you're salt and light. In the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke... They're all talking at one point about persecution. And so at the end of the Beatitudes, Jesus says, blessed are you when you are persecuted. They're all talking about the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. Or the cost of persecution of those who are following Jesus. And from that, they then spring into, by the way, you're sold. You're to be sold. Hey, blessed are those who are persecuted. Following Jesus, there is a cost to following Jesus. And by the way, you're salt. You can go and find it in each of the Gospels. I wonder why for a moment, Jesus, after saying, as my followers, you will face persecution. Persecution, or there's a cost to being a disciple of Jesus. Why does Jesus say, this is going to be true of you, but remember in that moment you are blessed. And then he goes on to talk about salt, saltiness and light. And this is where I think we need to see there's a flow is because Jesus is describing who you are. And when persecution comes, and you remember just at the end of last week, we said persecution isn't merely having your head chopped off because you love Jesus, although it includes that. Persecution can be just because people snigger at you because you make decisions about following Jesus that changes the way you are at work. That means you have a different set of values. It means people might lie and, and scheme against you because you're a follower of Jesus and they don't like that. Persecution can come in all kinds of ways. And Jesus says, when persecution comes, remember you are salt, you are light. Or when following Jesus becomes costly for you, Jesus says, remember that you are salt. Specifically, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty? again. I think that Jesus knows that when we face persecution and we have to count the cost of following him, there are moments where we are tempted to shy away, where we are tempted to kind of not put ourselves into a situation. We're tempted to back off and say, ah, I'm going to put this light under a bucket. I'm going to hide it away. I don't want people to know that I'm a follower of Jesus. And Jesus is saying in those moments In those moments, remember who you are. So, you are the salt of the earth. Not, you're a good bloke. When we had some building work done last year on our houses before we moved in, the guys that were doing our building work, they were great guys. Just great salt of the earth kind of guys. Just great blokes to have around. Good chaps. Salt of the earth blokes. Jesus isn't saying, hey, you lot, you're salt of the earth. Just a good old guy, good old girl. He's not meaning that kind of salt. He's saying, you are the salt of the earth. And in this context, and particularly in Jesus' thinking here, there's two applications. One, society, as we know, is in a mess. You don't need me to tell you that. And Jesus is saying, you, follower of me, you're to go and act like a preservative. You're to go and be a preservative in society. I think it's interesting when you look at our our nation, And you look at the journey of our nation, and so much of our nation has been built on a Christian heritage. It's not a secret. Most of our laws have been built up until recently on a Christian principle, Christian ethics and morality. And our country has functioned like that for a long time. And moves of social justice and issues of slavery have been dealt with through a Christian basis. Through Christians rising up and saying, hey, this is not right. This is wrong. This is not how God has designed us to live. We are not to treat one another like this. Yet increasingly over the last number of years. And I think it is an increasing amount. That what has happened is there's been an attitude that's come into our nation. Anything but Christianity please. Anything but Christianity. We don't even care. Just not Christianity. And what has happened is. That if you like the the tree of our nation has begun to hollow out from the inside. It's become ill from the inside. And it's the root of Christianity that our nation has been built on for so long. And has served us so well. As that root has been cut. And people say we, we'll take anything. We don't even care what it is. We'll just we'll go with anything at all. But Christianity. The tree has begun very sick on the inside. And sick trees fall and die. And I think it's interesting what's happening in our nation. Both In the muddle it's in with gender and identity and sexuality. And I think it's interesting the muddle our nation is in when it comes to how do we relate to other nations and our place in the world. And we just have no clue. I think it's interesting that our nation is in a mess financially. And I I want to bless those guys and girls that are serving our finances and doing the best that they can. I want to pray for that God would give them wisdom. I'm not having a go at them. They're doing the best that they can and there are men and women there who love Jesus and we want to pray that they would do the uh, job of fruitfulness but I think it's interesting that as the the general attitude in our nation is anything but Christianity that we are in a mess and this isn't a political rally by the way this is about the kingdom of God but at the same time as this nation is in a mess increasingly 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 there is an expectation in the church at large forget denominations forget streams or movements there is a hunger right across God's people in this nation of an expectation of a fresh move of God that God would come and bring renewal to our nation that God would come and he would equip saints like you and me and many many others to begin to be salt and light And this is what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, you are a preservative in your society. That's who you are. It's not just simply something you do. You are salt. You're salt by being in Christ. He's describing in this passage exactly who you are. He's not simply saying, go and do something. He's saying, you need to know. When persecution comes, when there's a temptation to step back, when there's issues of gender and this and that and the other, I tell you, there'll be days ahead when churches get in trouble for being faithful to the scripture on this issue. That's not I'm not worried, it's just going to be a reality. When laws are passed, that you don't have a choice who you marry. And the question is, are we are going to be faithful to scripture or not? And in that moment, there'll be temptation to go, ah, persecution, trouble, prison, fines. Maybe we should just lose our saltiness on this one. Jesus is so real in this. He knows what it's like. There were many points in Jesus' own life where where persecution was coming against him. He he loved people. He loved everyone. But there were many points where people, people opposed him and tried to get hold of him and wanted him dead. And Jesus was faithful every time. Even to the point when he stood before Pilate and people were shouting, crucify him crucify him. And Pilate said, there's, not, I can't, there's no wrong in this man. And Jesus didn't open his mouth. He was faithful. He fulfilled the scriptures. He remained salty himself. And Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. You bring flavor to the earth. That's the other concept of salt. You're a preservative. So in the, back 2,000 years ago, there, there was no such thing as refrigerators. I don't know if you know that. And, um, But they used salt as a preservative and they would rub it into the meat to stop it going off. And it would preserve the meat. That's the picture there. But Jesus says also you're a a flavor. You bring flavor into society. And so in in our house, how it works is I cook. I don't do it every week. Sometimes we cook. Emma manages fried breakfast on a Saturday morning for the kids. Emma cooks. And um, I just do the eggs. can't. I'm, I'm particular about my eggs. And, <laughs> and so we serve up the dinner. And then the kids get salt and grind it all over their dinner. I, don't, I just think it's habit. I don't even know think they know why they're doing it. But what they're doing is they're adding flavor. They're bringing out the flavor. Why is it that eggs without salt are a bit rubbish, apart from the ones from Sharon's brother's farm? If you want good eggs, go and speak to Sharon. They are amazing. It's like custard yolks. It's just delicious. Anyway, <laughs> but why, why is it? Why is it that you add a bit of salt, just a smidge of salt to them, and they come alive, and they're just amazing. And Jesus says, do you know what? You are that. You are that. Not not just simply sometimes you can decide to be that. You are salt. You are flavoring. You are a preservative. You bring out the flavor of the kingdom of God. As you get hold of these beatitudes, and as you say, oh, that's what a blessed life looks like. So it doesn't matter where, what, what, what you're facing in life right now. You can know that you are blessed. And wherever you are in life, that you are salt and you are light. Not when things get so, salted, sorted. I can't say those kind of words anyway, I know. Not when things get sorted are you salt and light, but today. Amen. Now, it is who you are in Christ. And Jesus says, don't be tempted to lose your saltiness at moments of persecution, at moments of challenge. And for you, that just might look like at the work desk tomorrow morning when people are gossiping. It might be that simple, and you just don't get drawn into it. And when somebody starts to say something to you that is just so unhelpful, and just tearing somebody else down, you say, "I, I am not interested. I don't want to know. That is being salt. Jesus isn't saying you're salt when you do those things. He's saying you are salt, therefore you can do them because the Spirit enables you. Hallelujah. Praise you God. I think so often we, and I think this is true of you are light as well. In a moment, is we think I'm being salt when I dot dot dot. I'm being salt if I was telling somebody about Jesus. If I offered to pray for somebody, then I'm being salt. If I serve somebody who's I just stop and I'm walking along and I see somebody who's broken on the street and just sat there and hopeless. If I stop, then I'm salt. And Jesus says, no, you are salt. You are salt. And salty people go out of their way to go and be salt. And they understand that wherever they are, they can bring the kingdom of God to bear. The flavor and the preserving nature of the kingdom of God. And Jesus goes on. He changes the metaphor and he says, you are the light of the world. Christian, you need to hear that this morning, saying, you are light. So turn to the person next to you and tell them that they are light. And tell them they are salt. (laughs) Who was just told that they are salt and light? Put your hand up. And Jesus says of you, if you are salt and light because you are in him and you love him. I'm sorry if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and somebody told you you're salt and light. And that's a very weird moment for you. Bear with us. But if you're here and you love him and somebody has just told you that you're salt and light. Or even if you're sat at the front, Dave, and nobody said it to you. You are salt and light, by the way. Jesus says that you are a city on a hill. America is not a city on a hill, by the way. You are a city on the hill, the people of God. That's who you are. And then Jesus says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And the image there, back in the day of Jesus, people would have lived and worked and slept in one room. They would have cooked, the family would have been in one room, and the light would have been placed in the room on a stand, and everybody would have received the light. It makes sense when you think of it as a one-room house. And Jesus says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. just want to read some scriptures around you being light. And I'm going to finish very quickly. Because I want us to pray and worship. John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to his disciples. And those following him saying. I am the light of the world. I am the light. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me. Will not walk in darkness. But will have the light of life. So if you're in Christ. You have the light of Christ in you. And rather than. Rather than having this concept of saying it's all about me and I care about how people see me. It's a bit more rather that you're like the moon and the sun shines on you and reflects the sun down to earth. And it's like you're a moon in that sense. The kind of light that you are is a reflection of God's light. is a reflection of God's love and God's compassion and God's heart and God's faithfulness and God's salt and light himself. That he came in Christ. The father gave his only son. To rescue a corrupt, decaying, broken world. And that Jesus was massaged into our world. Not just preserving, but bringing life. Bringing flavor. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me you, you're not in darkness, but you have the light of life. If, you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you, I want you to hear this, but with love and grace that the Bible says that you are in darkness. You are living in darkness. And you might say, hey, I'm loving life. Life is great, but the Bible says you're in darkness. And I, I, I want to pray and invite you to see that Jesus is the light and that he has broken into our darkness. Jesus is saying here that you are light because you have come into the light. Because you have received light, that is life. John three nineteen twenty one. 21. Jesus says this, and this is the judgment. Light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. There is something about light and there is something about being light and reflecting the light of Christ that exposes darkness. That makes it uncomfortable for sin to be around you. And I I, I, I just want us to hold this thought for a moment that. Wherever you are, you bring the kingdom of God. You bring, what you take with you, whatever context you're in, you take the spirit of God with you. you. You have the spirit's enabling power, but you are a preservative. You are a flavor and you are light. You make a difference because the kingdom of God comes through you. And I wonder if some of our stuckness in life and in following Jesus is that we think, and we've got to a place where we think it is merely that we have to do things rather than it is who we are in Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free to live life as God intended it. The Apostle Paul, when he was Describing what happened to him when he met Jesus in Acts 26 said, and I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise up and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose to anoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Ephesians 5, 8. For at one time you were darkness. Ouch. Separated from the light and life and love of God. But Paul says to the Ephesians, but now you are light in the world. Therefore walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. I think it's interesting as Jesus gets hold of this concept of light. He says it needs to be on a stand. Not hidden away. Don't be tempted again to hide your light away. Exposing darkness. Demonstrating. So so not only does light expose things. But it shows up good things also. It shows up the goodness of God in your life. Don't be tempted to hide that away. And he says in the same way let your light shine before others. Let Christ in you be the hope. The reason for the hope that you have. Let Christ in you be the, the reason that you kind of say, God, I want to be the best blessing to my place of work that I can be. I want to be the best employee this company has. I want to demonstrate what it means to, to, to follow you, then to serve those who pay me to the best of my ability. I want to be the best neighbor. Not as a doing, but because I can be, because I have Christ in me. And because what is true of Jesus is now true of me. And what he did, I can now do. I can do all those things because Christ in me. The hope of glory because Christ in me strengthens me and I can love my neighbor who gets on my nerves who is a total I, my neighbors are lovely by the way we were fortunate when we moved into our street but some of you have nightmare neighbors and you just want to throw a brick through their window to be quite honest you'll never say that to somebody but that's your feeling Ah, but you can love them and you can serve them And you can be like an elevator of grace that gets under their feet and lifts them up. Says, I'm going to love you. Even though to me you're unlovely, God loves you and I'm going to be light to you. And Jesus says, you don't do light living. You don't be light so that people look at you and go, man, if only I could be like you. If only I was a bit more like you. If only I had the looks that you had, Colin, and the beard that you have, then... no. We don't live light, we're not light so that we cause people to look at us, but we're light so that we cause people to see Jesus, to see the love of God. That is who we are. are, We just, our lives now point people to Jesus. It's it's not me, it's Jesus. So that somebody comes to you and says, in the office tomorrow or this week, and they say, how do you put up with, is there anybody called Sandra here this morning? How do you put up with, sorry Sandra, how do you put up with Sandra? It was the first name that came to my head. How do you put up with her? She's a nightmare. Sandra's not a nightmare. She's fantastic. That was a bad name to pick, in Move on. <laughs> and you say, I just, I want to be a friend. I want, to, I want to love her. I want to be kind. I want to show the kindness of God to her. And people look at that and they say, wow, God's like that. He loves those who despise him. He's that good. So letting our light shine is not saying Hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. I mean, that's just how we live without Christ. That's how in our not such good moments, it's all about me. Hey, Facebook posts. It's all about me. And we're so subtle. We've got so skilled now at Facebook posting to say, I'm not making this about me, but it is totally about me. And everybody knows it, and nobody says it because we all do it, and I'm not having a go, but be provoked if that's you. Stop it. It's nonsense. But let your light point to Jesus and say, Jesus is so good. And, I, and man, my life now is living for him to boast in him, to boast in his cross, in who he is, in his goodness that he has broken into my life, that his light has come into my life. And I just live for him now. I just want to tell you one short story. We, um, this is not that moment where I'm saying about us, but we were amazingly blessed um, My parents offered to pay for a cleaner um, for us, which is very nice of middle class, I realize. Um, And I didn't want to tell this story, but do you know I just think that's the goodness of God because he knows what we need. And for you, it'll be different things and God will bless you in all kinds of ways. And we've got to get good at expecting that God is so kind that he blesses. He knows the needs you have, by the way. And so I'm not kind of going, hey, we've got a cleaner. You need a cleaner. I'm just saying God blessed us. And I want to say thank you to God for that. But this amazing moment... um, so a cleaner came around a couple of weeks ago and just started chatting to Emma. And an hour doesn't sound like a lot of cleaning until you realize that cleaners work like machines. They are amazing. And, um, and, she, and she was just chatting to Emma, and she kind of asked the story, um, our story as a family. And she said, I want to work for two hours. So normally what I do is I come, and there's two of us that work for half an hour, and that's an hour's work. But she said, I want to come and... Work for two hours. So she came, was it last week? You should tell this story. This is your story. Okay, I'll carry on telling it, but it would be rubbish. <laughs> and she came and she, um, she, was working, uh, she was cleaning and the other lady that came with her was cleaning. And how long was she in the house for, Em? About two hours. So that's four hours of cleaning, which is pretty good on week one. And so something that we've been given as a gift has turned into four times the amount already. But the amazing thing is, she said to Emma, just in the flow of conversation, so what, what do you do? What does your husband do? And Emma has that awkward moment that I, I just feel so bad for, where she says, well, it was one of those salt and light moments. She could have gone, oh, I'm not telling, my husband's a vicar. Not that I'm a vicar, but you know, because that's just a weird moment, I'm sure. And she said, oh, my husband um, is part of a leadership team of a church in Swindon. And Lou, our cleaner's name is, can give you her number if you want. And she said, um, and she said to Emma, words to the effect of, what did she say? Quick, come and t- come and tell the story. Come on, quick! Oh, come on, up we get. Well, make make it make it up. <laughs> don't
1: don't leave me hanging now. <laughs> I know. Now you're under time pressure. That's what I'm worried about. Um, the kids are fine. <laughs> what did she say? I don't even know what you were saying.
0: About the house. And she's like, you can't be religious. Oh, don't yeah. She was just
1: doing. really shocked, really. And she just kind of... I just started talking to her about the love of God. And, yeah, it was just an amazing conversation. I mean, she didn't get that what a vicar is. And when she was, I had to say a vicar because she didn't get what leading a church looked like or what a church even is, really. She just was like, well, you're not religious. You don't have symbols all over your home. How can you have a nice home? How can you be nice? And, I mean, it was literally like that. And she just... She was baffled by the whole thing. And I just kept saying you know well we're just i literally was explaining salt and light without those words i was like this is us as a society this is who we're supposed to be you know this is what Christ, this is what it should be like to encounter a christian and she was just blown away by it really she just kept saying i can't believe you're religious that seems really odd you don't seem religious and i mean it went on for about an hour i was like get cleaning come on <laughs> <laughs> but yeah she was lovely and she was just i mean our house is quite dirty that's what that's <laughs> Yeah, she was amazing. And it just it just felt like a real God thing, really. And then she said she was gonna discount the hour as well. She was like, it's only gonna be 13 pounds fifty for like two hours of cleaning for four hours, really. So it's just amazing, really, how God uses all of that. And yeah.
0: And I think the thing that that just reminded me about that here is it wasn't about being religious. It wasn't about trying to do things. It was just Emma being who she is. And just saying, well, this is who I am. Like, this is what my husband does. And that's not the point. It's for you. It's saying who you are and what you do. And that I'm a follower of Jesus. Hey, why do you live the way you do? Because I, I just want to honor Jesus with my life. There's a guy um, that I've, become, I've become friends with recently. And, and his life is in a tough situation. A real tough situation. And then it's just gone and got worse because diabetes has meant he's... Now I've got problems with his arms. And I just went to pick up some printing from him the other week. And he's the most lovely guy. And yet he knows he's living in darkness. He didn't use those words, but he's like, I have no hope. I don't even know what hope looks like. And I had an opportunity the other day when I went to pick up um, some printing from him. And I just said, how are you doing? He's like, oh, hes I mean, he's not moaning. He's just saying, my arm is absolutely killing me. And you know, in that moment, I could have enacted in the fact that I am salt and light. I I didn't have to go and do salt and light. I could have just been salt and light and said, I can pray for you. Because I know God's love has shone shone on me. And I know that he is light and he is our healer. And do you know I didn't? And I went away thinking, oh, no, 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 no. But so often I think we just beat ourselves up and thinking, I'm not very much like salt and I'm not very much like light. Because even when the opportunities come along, I don't do it. I don't get hold of them. I want to say to you, you are salt and light. And it's not about religious symbols around your home. It's not about nice posters that have nice bits of Bible. They're they're not wrong. I'm not saying get rid of them. But that isn't what makes you salt and light. In Christ, you are salt and light. You are a preservative. You are a flavoring. And you are light into a dark world. And Jesus says, I've given you my spirit that will birth those things. So it begins to look like, blessed are those that we live those beatitudes out in who we are. just wonder if the band can come back up. And we're going to pray and worship. I think so often we get our gifting muddled up with being salt and light. So that's something for another day. I think we think it's the gifts we have that mean we have salt and light. And that we can make a difference or not. And. I think we get muddled with that. Hey, if you're part of the kids team here. Your job is not to teach them. Morals. Good Christian morals. Your job is to train them and equip them. And by your life and your passion for Jesus to help them see what salt and light looks like. That the next generation would be those who restore a foundation of faith in God in our nation. They would run with things of God. Can we stand? I think so often we we think of being a follower of Jesus and then living and and the life that we live as doing good works and it so often feels like hard work. I'm just being honest. When I'm thinking in my worst moments about living as salt and living as light, I can think of it as being hard work. But it isn't hard work when it is who you are. And when the, th- the passions and the gifts and the talents and you and your story and who you are, when you go, oh, this is me just being salt and light. I'm not pretending I'm something I'm not. I'm just being who I am. And when we, when we get hold of that, and I, we were, a couple of us were at a conference for the last few days and there was this great phrase that was said and, it said, and this guy um, said, if I do what I do out of who I am, if I'm salt and if I'm light, bringing justice and care and love and kindness and telling people about the goodness of Jesus out of who I am, not just because I better do that because that's what Christians do. It isn't work. He said it's worship. If I do what I do out of who I am, it's not work, it's worship. Hey, being salt and being light is not hard work for those who love Jesus. And if you love him, the effect is, God, help me to be a salt that pervades. Help me to be a light that infuses. Help me to help me to see your kingdom come in my life, that others may see you and glorify you. And we begin to kind of go, it's not about me having to get my friend to church. God's God more than capable of that, by the way. It's about just in any situation, every circumstance, going, no, I'm salt, I'm light. When you walk into the office tomorrow... When you go home at the mealtime and that row you hadn't finished with your wife is about to kick off again. Part two. (laughs) Go, no, hold on a minute. I'm salt. I'm going to bring the love of God to bear in this. John Piper, his famous quote that he's, I guess, shaped his whole ministry by. He's an American um, preacher and church leader. He says this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Hey, when people see you and they taste the saltiness and they see the light of Christ in you and who you are, Jesus says God's glorified. Not by you just doing stuff. Although, sure, our lives begin to look like certain things. Certain kingdom values begin to make their way into our life, which is why Jesus goes on to um, exposit those beatitudes in the next number of verses he says you've heard it said do not murder but I tell you don't even attack somebody in your thoughts don't even speak badly of them and Jesus goes to unpack what life in the kingdom looks like in the life of those who love him but it says but by you being salt and by you being light people will glorify God and I just as I, as I read that John Piper's statement came back to me as you are satisfied in God people will glorify him and so I just feel there's an invitation for us this morning. There's an invitation. And some of us, we've made it about what we do. And I feel we need to repent of that. We've made it, God, I go to church. I make sure I just, I do the right thing all the time. And I'm, I'm just, we, we were listening over the last days about the younger brother and the older brother. And we have an older brother spirit. And we're like, God, I do all the right stuff. And Jesus says, but I've made you salt and light. It's who you are. And some of us, we... We're so stuck in, in, our, in our worship of Jesus. We would say, I'm anything but satisfied. I know I'm saved. I know the Spirit is in me. But I, I just have no sense of anointing. I have no sense that I am salt and light. And I just want to pray for us right now that if that's you, if you say, I've just, I've just forgotten what it is to be salt and light. I want to remind you by the Spirit as we pray that you are salt and light. So can I just invite you, if you just want to respond to God at all right now, even as we were worshipping that sense of, breakthrough God come on come and do it come and ignite within us fresh passion for worship that, that it's who you are we're worshippers it's the same thing it's not an activity I do it's who I am in Christ and if you just say God I just want more of you I want to hunger and thirst for your way of living that's what this really is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God's way of living I just want to pray for you right now I pray spirit come come breathe on these hearts again remind us of who we are in Christ remind us that we can be salt and light because of Christ's goodness because now this life we live is no longer for ourselves but for him and him alone thank you Jesus that you are so good that your light has broken into our life that we were in darkness but now we're in light because of your salvation because of your goodness to us because you have shone on us the truth of who you are that our eyes have been opened That that veil has been lifted and and we now see you. And we thank you for our salvation in you. We thank you, Jesus, you have done it all. Therefore, we get to be who you've called us to be. And I I pray right now, would you breathe afresh upon us as your people. Would you ignite within us not a sense of busyness and doing, but a sense of belonging and being in your kingdom that we would delight in you. That so we would understand, Jesus, said, you're not saying, I, now go and do this, and now go and do that, and now go and do this. You're inviting us to be who you've called us to be. And this is good news because it means that you can be you. Hey, in God's grace, he's working on us. He's making us more like Christ. But as you're you, people will see God. As you love him, as you, as you worship him, people will see God. And that very thing that we long for, to see our friends and family in our streets know the love of God, happens because we love Him. And so I pray for you, Gateway. I pray for myself. I pray, God, break in on these hearts afresh. Ignite worship. Ignite love for you. Ignite saltiness and light living. Thank you, that's our portion now. Thank you, that's our right. That is who we are in you, Christ Jesus. Be glorified. And I pray for wrong thinking. I pray for wrong thinking where we think we have to do stuff to impress you, to pay you back. I pray that you would break that way of thinking. I pray for those in this room who who think they have to now impress you. God, I pray for those who think, oh good, God will be pleased with me because I. Well, I pray for wrong thinking to be broken. No, God loves you and declares over you who you are. You are in Christ. You are loved. You are redeemed. You are chosen. His affection and his kindness is upon you. And for some of you, you were thinking, I would love a cleaner. And even in that moment, you were like, ah, see, God's goodness is on others. No, God's goodness is on you. Hey, ask him. Come on, ask him. He's good. He is a good, good God. And he, is, he, wants to, he wants to capture us afresh in these days in his kindness and goodness so that we go and we tell people, can I just tell you how good God is? Man, you are struggling in life. But I want to tell you, I know somebody who is in the same position as you struggling at the bottom in a dark hole and God came and broke in his light broke in and now do you know man life is tough but they are blessed and they live life worshiping God do you know we've got to stop thinking that following Jesus is hard work it's costly it's a challenge but it is worship it's our joy it's our privilege and so Paul earlier, he was so right, he's not hitting us with a stick going, come on, worship, faster you, faster. Come on, better worship, better singing, louder singing. It's an invitation. Yes, it really is just an invitation to say, do you know who God is? Have you seen him afresh today? Have you encountered his love and his light in your life? His goodness, his flavor in your life? Or have you forgotten? He's not saying you're not saved. He's, he was, he's not saying, oh, you're not singing loud enough, therefore you're not saved. He's saying, Hey, don't lose your saltiness. Don't lose your light. You've encountered the light. You are light. Live it. Be it. And so, Father, we bless your name. And we say, here we are, God, breathe on us. Breathe on us afresh. Breathe on us. Come, Holy Spirit. Breathe on these hearts. Breathe on these lives, Lord. We, we say, Lord, we want to be men and women who are salt and who are light. Lord, and we say where the world says anything but Christianity, we, say, we know, Lord, that you said that some, to some will be the, 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 the smell of life and to others the stench of death. And, Lord, we're okay with that. But, Lord, we say, Lord, we long for our nation to encounter you and to say, please, God's people, stand up and be the people of God. And so we bless your name. We bless your name.